0: You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. When we go to gamble, we go to lose. Even when we win, it's just a matter of time before we give it all back. This is the Bet Slippin' Podcast, featuring Jeff Clark from USA Today Sportsbook Wire. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before
1: the end of the day. No way. I mean, it's the gambling business. Occasionally you get punched in the face. You're listening to the Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. What's up, homies? Welcome back to our 2022 NFL season preview. We're looking at the NFC South today. Of course, I'm joined by my handicapping homie and Nathan Beagle, a.k.a. Nate Dog. But we brought in a special guest making his second appearance in the Bet slipping podcast. This guy actually helped us win money handicapping in the 2021 NFL draft in his first appearance. Uh, the, the editor of DraftWire and BucksWire... Luke Easterling is here today. Uh, Luke's bread and butter is the draft, where he truly stands out as one of the best analysts in the space. But he's also a Tampa Bay area native, and again, the head editor of Bucks Wire. So let me introduce him now, Luke. Thanks for joining us. Joining us again.
2: Hey, my pleasure, guys. Uh, happy, happy that it uh, is football season. We're back to to talking about real stuff now, and uh, the long, the long dark off season is over, man. Whatever, whatever. I, I guess. There isn't really an offseason season for us, but now we get to we get to actually see some pads popping and talk about some real football. So I'm stoked.
1: Yeah, you guys uh, in Tampa had a lot of drama this off season between the <laughs> retirement of Tom Brady and then the return of Tom Brady. So and now the signing of Julio Jones. So
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh um, yeah, and that's the thing, man. At this point, the headlines have been so wild that it's like it's easy to forget things. Like, oh yeah, Bruce Arians retired and gave the team to Todd Bowles. Like <laughs> that seems like the fifth storyline of the of the offseason when in normally you know most teams that would be obviously the the story of the offseason so it's just it's definitely been a wild ride
1: yeah i was setting up my notes and i was reading the football outsiders almanac uh buccaneers preview and i was like oh yeah they did bruce arians is no longer there <laughs>
2: <laughs> which is weird too because like today was the first practice then he's still riding around in his freaking golf cart with his his straw hat you know just doing really a lot of what he normally did and you know and now he just i guess he has to do it with maybe more freedom and less accountability cuz he can just kind of s- stroll wherever he wants he doesn't have to be the head coach anymore and uh, that's all up to Todd now
1: yeah he's quasi retired but what is he on uh, on the Special staff as a consultant
2: to the general manager i think uh, assistant to the regional general manager kind of thing maybe
1: <laughs> so uh the conditions for brady's return is that Arians can stay in the organization but he cannot be on the sideline <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about all that. He was, uh, he looked pretty close and uh, chatting him up there uh, at practice this morning, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't buy into any of the conspiracies there. I, I think it had very little to do with that, if anything, but uh, it, it made for some fun uh, off season fodder for sure.
1: Fair enough. I believe in all the conspiracies, but we'll save that for another time. Um, we are going to be going uh, in order of how these teams finished last season. Um, and it's great that we brought the Bucks, uh, excuse me, the Bucks Wire editor here because obviously the first team we're going to talk about is your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who won the AFC or the NFC South, excuse me, last year with a 12 and five record. They um, won their first game in the playoffs against the Philadelphia Eagles. Excuse me, they were 13 and four last year, 12 and five pi fag, third in DVOA. Um, they they lost their they're, um, they lost in the division round to the eventual Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams, but beat the crap out of the Philadelphia Eagles. Turning this one over to you, since you're a uh, Tampa Bay guy, how do you see the Bucs season shaping up? Or, or uh, can you give us a brief, I guess, um, preview of the, the 2022 Bucs uh, season? Luke.
2: So, you know, the, the biggest difference that I see with this team is is obviously last year coming off the Super Bowl, they brought back the entire starting lineup, right? All, all 25 starters, if you want to include the specialists, um, were back from that Super Bowl team. And, and honestly, there's not really much to complain about. I, you know, they had a, a couple of losses that, that felt like they shouldn't have lost, especially the Washington game. Um, you know, that felt like one that they really should have had. Um, but I mean, they, they kind of ran the table in the NFC South. They, they got swept again by the saints, which again, is just a mental block. I do not understand. Um, cause on paper those teams just shouldn't, shouldn't compete at all in terms of Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay's favor, but they would for whatever reason, they can't get over it, but they only lost two other games. Uh, you know, they won 13 games set a, a franchise record. That's the most they've ever won in a regular season. Uh, they won their first division title in over a decade and won it pretty comfortably. Um, and, you know, I kind of see a similar scenario setting up for them this year. I, I think that there's the the Bucks at the top of this division and everybody else is kind of playing for second place um, really might, might just be the Saints in second. And then, you know, the, the Falcons and the Panthers in their own tier down there at the bottom, but I think the biggest difference between last year and this year, are obviously, you know, new faces who's gone and who's left. Cause this time around, you don't have the the entire starting lineup back. You don't even have the same head coach. Cause you got Todd Bowles calling the shots. Now I know he was the defensive coordinator the last few years, but there is going to be a bit of a shift when you not just go from one head coach to another, but you go from an offensive head coach to a defensive head coach. And how does that impact things? Um, so the thing for me is when you look at the changes they made obviously last year they wanted to keep everything together and keep as much continuity as possible because obviously you just want a championship you want to bring everybody back you can so you can try to run it again. And I think last year they dealt with way more injuries than they did during the Super Bowl run and I think that was a huge reason why obviously they weren't able to finish the job. And I still think they would, they they came pretty close. It, 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 when that game got to 27-27 in the final minute and a half, right, we, we all thought, like, oh, it's just going to happen again. Brady's going to win again. And I think if they win that game, I think they beat the 49ers at home in the in the NFC title game, and I think they've got a pretty damn good shot at beating the Bengals in the Super Bowl and winning it again. So it, it's not like they needed to mess with much. They probably just needed to not have Chris Godwin tear an ACL and, and not have a couple guys go down with injury. But if you look at what they did this year, they definitely identified some areas where, A, they couldn't keep everybody financially this time. Obviously, guys like um, Alex Kappa, they starting right guard. They weren't going to be able to pay him what the Bengals paid him in free agency to, to, to pry him away from Tampa Bay. This, the retirement of Ali Marpet, very surprising, right? 28 years old, seven years in the league, one of the best guards in the league, and he just decides, you know what? I'm tired of bashing my head in. I don't have to do that anymore. I made a lot of money. I'm going to go live you know, the rest of my life, and I think everybody's happy for him for doing that, but that leaves a, a gaping hole at the other guard spot. So what they did is they went out and traded maybe the steal of the offseason that nobody talked about that much, right? You go trade a fifth-round pick for Shaq Mason, one of the better guards in the league. So that shores up the right side. And then they'll have a battle at the left guard spot, but they've got some some promising guys there. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I think it was a little more interesting because Jordan Whitehead leaves, a guy who's 24 years old, hitting his second contract at a very young age, very athletic guy, but he was banged up a little bit, and, and you wonder if they didn't think he – was part of what they wanted to have moving forward. They didn't even make him a contract offer. The Jets ended up signing him to a two- or three-year deal, I think, for pretty cheap, and the Bucs didn't really even seem that interested. So what did they do? They went and got Logan Ryan. They went and got Keanu Neal. They brought in older, more experienced guys. And I think if you ask anybody on that defense what the one thing that kept them from being their best last year, especially in that Rams game and in the, in the clutch moments, it was communication breakdowns, right? And so when you look at what they brought in, they look at who they allowed to walk away – you have to wonder if maybe that's what they're trying to shore up—is that communication, the consistency with tackling—and you bring guys in like Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal. That that stood out to me. They let Indama and Sue go, and they bring in another older veteran run-stuffing guy Nakeem Akeem Hicks um, to replace him. So some very interesting additions on this team um again wide receiver you got Russell Gage coming in and that was long before the Julio Jones news which again happened yesterday was made official this morning they have Kyle Rudolph to replace Rob Gronkowski who retired again and seems to be pretty clear that he's not going to come back that paperwork hasn't been filed yet but you know it definitely seems like the Bucks have, have kind of moved on and planned for life without him this season so a lot more new faces for Tampa Bay this year, but I think maybe some improvements and in, in certain areas that could make this team better than the one that just didn't quite get there last year.
1: Tam Hell of a preview this is why we brought you on Luke well done well well done. do you now their betting profile let me give you that real quick and see if anything jumps out to you um, from a betting perspective even though um, I know you're I, I don't believe you're much of a gambler is that right?
2: I'm not, I'm not. And I'm in Florida and they're not terribly friendly about that down here in terms of uh, a government and a legal standpoint. So uh, it's kind of disappointing. I probably would be a bit more inclined to be involved if that wasn't the case, but uh, maybe that's best. Maybe that's best. Honestly, I, I limit it to, uh, to fantasy stuff and even a little bit of DFS if I'm, if I'm feeling it, but uh, that's kind of the extent of it for me. Man,
0: that's, yeah, that's weird. Like the one thing uh, California and Florida can agree upon is just not letting mobile sports gambling be a thing.
2: So hey. stupid, man. I, even if it's one of those things where, like, even if I didn't do it and didn't want to partake in it, it's I still think it's stupid to not let people do it. It makes no sense.
1: Funny, I thought Florida was known for giving away freedoms. That's interesting how that works. We'll get uh, California. will get sports betting on the uh, ballot on the ballot. November, and, and it'll one thousand percent be um, voted yes. Like there is nothing with bi- as much bipartisan agreement in this country is legalizing sports <laughs> betting. Like it's a hundred it's pretty much a lock California will get legal sports gambling in 2023. Um but no you killed it with the with the uh with the the preview to the bucks. So real quick their betting profile, their win total is eleven and a half, slight juice on the over to make the playoffs is minus six fifty, nose plus four fifty. Minus 350 to win the NFC South. I, I jotted that down over the weekend. Maybe it's changed. Either way, I know they're the biggest favorite of any division um, or have the, uh, the the longest odds or the, the best odds to win the division out of any division favorite in the NFL. Plus 280 to win the NFC. Plus 700 to win the Super Bowl. Any of those numbers jumping out at you, uh, Luke?
2: You know, I think maybe the, the win total just because I think that while the schedule looks – while the schedule looks tough on, on paper and especially that first four weeks, right, you've got Dallas, you've got New Orleans on the road to, to start the season. You don't get a home game until week three and it's Green Bay and then Kansas City back-to-back in, at home. But I don't I don't know if some of those teams are going to be as tough as they might look. I, I know you're going on the road to, to face Dallas. You beat them barely at home last year the year before. But all of those teams that they're playing – have lost some pretty important players with the, with the, you know, exception maybe of New Orleans. Um, you know, you look at Dallas and they lost Amari Cooper and, and um, uh, L Collins. Uh, you look in, in Kansas city and, and green Bay, obviously lost their best wide receivers in Tyree kill and Devontae Adams. Uh, it looks like Julio Jones even signed with the bucks over the Packers. It seemed like they were interested in him and he, he opted to go for Tampa Bay. So, I'm not sure that the versions of those teams that the Bucs are going to face in those first four weeks are going to be as good as the ones we saw last year. Um, so I, I don't know that the schedule will end up having as much uh, bite as it does bark. Um, so I, I kind of like that win total there. I think seeing them go win 12, 13 games is very, very uh, winnable, especially if they get through that gauntlet at 3-1 and one maybe to, to start the season. I think it kind of goes downhill for them from there.
1: Interesting. Well, no beef here, Luke, but I'm I'm zagging on what you said, man. Um, there were six and zero in one score games last year. Plus ten in turnover differential. Both things should be regressed. They had a stupid easy schedule last year. It's still graded out as a very easy schedule this year. But as I look at it, I don't. I'm not necessarily convinced that'll be that easy. Like the first four games, I think are tough. Like the best version, I think we'll see of Dallas will be in week one. Um, and the New Orleans Saints absolutely own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're 4-0 against them in the regular season since Tom Brady joined. Um, I don't believe Packers are going to regress that much year over year without Devontae Adams. And I think the same could be said about Kansas City with Tyreek Hill. Now, I definitely agree those teams are probably trending down slightly because of those um, notable wide receiver exits. Um, but when you go further down the schedule for Tampa Bay, their post buy schedule is pretty insane too. I, I so their first game out uh, after the bye is going to be in Cleveland against the Browns. I do believe Deshaun Watson gets out there for that game or is out there for that game. You could say what you will about that, but like Deshaun Watson probably top five, top 10 quarterback in the game. Um, then they, uh, then they, they host the saints, which is again, you know, the saints play them really tough. So that's not a layup. They go to San Francisco. We don't know about Trey Lance, but San Francisco, obviously a playoff team. Then they host Cincinnati, Cincinnati, obviously, uh, we're just in the super bowl. then they visit the Arizona Cardinals who obviously or not obviously, but they struggle down the stretch typically under cliff Kingsbury. And as, um, Kyler Murray get injured, but if that isn't – if Kyler Murray stays healthy throughout the entire season, I think Arizona is actually going to be a pretty good team. Um, I do have concerns about Tampa Bay's defense. They are an old defense. They got a little younger getting rid of uh, Sue and, and, and JPP, um, but I don't necessarily believe the additions to their defense – um, are like a net win I, I like Logan Ryan I like Hakeem Hicks um, and, and Keanu Neal, Neal is pretty good wasn't very good last year but I think he could have a bounce back year but one thing that I noticed about the, the the Buccaneers and why I faded them against the Rams both times last season is I think the Buccaneers secondary is a very beatable when they go against offensive lines that can hold up against their pass rush I believe their pass rush is going to regress a little bit or could regress a little bit this year. And if you look at teams that played them tough last year, the Rams beat them twice. Dallas gave them hell in the uh, NFL opening night. And New England probably should have beaten them. All three of those teams have very quality offensive lines. I'm looking at eight to ten games this season where the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing a quality offensive line. So I think – I don't think they're going to get to 12 wins. I think they'll probably be at 10 or 11 and certainly make the playoffs. You have Tom Brady. They're healthy. If they make it into the playoffs, of course they can win this tournament or win that tournament. But I think getting uh, under 11.5 at minus 105, which is the price at Tipico, is, is a pretty good bet because I'm also going to make a pro New Orleans argument and Carolina argument I don't think Carolina's going to be good, but I do think they're going to be much better than they were last year because it's frankly kind of hard for them to be worse. So that's where I'm at with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. Um, but um, I, I, I lost Luke there. I don't know how much of that you heard, but he's back here in the, in the Zoom. Luke, I just pretty much poo-pooed <laughs> your whole Tampa Bay Buccaneers preview and went under 11.5 wins. I don't know how much of that you caught or you want to respond to, but – um and you can listen back to it when we when we produce this podcast. So I'm on under hey, I,
2: caught, I caught a good bit of it, Jeff. I caught a good bit. And it's not it's not like I don't disagree with with a lot of what you said. I think that it's just I mean, and maybe I'm just a little more optimistic in terms of what they lost and what they replaced. Um again, I think going back to what they Going back to the fact that, that Todd Bowles is going to be the head coach now, and I think you will see a little bit of a philosophy shift in terms of – I don't think Tom Brady wants to lead the league in pass attempts. I, I don't think he wants to throw the ball 750 times a year. I think he would prefer to have a bit more balance, and I think if you're a defensive head coach like Todd Bowles, you would prefer that because you're you're taking more time off the clock. You're You're getting less and fewer snaps for your defense. And again, when you bring in veteran guys – that you don't have to explain as much to. And, and again, you talk about Logan Ryan and, and Keanu Neal. Those are going to be really their third and fourth safeties on the roster. They got Mike Edwards, who is going to have an expanded role, who is really maybe their best playmaker on the back end, mm-hmm. uh, along with Antoine Winfield. So I, I think that they improved the depth. Again, Akeem Hicks and Logan Hall, their second-round pick, their top pick in this draft, they're coming in. They've got Will Golston and Vita Vea back. They're going to be deep and able to rotate and stay fresh on that defense to the point where I think – that pass rush will improve. I do agree with you. I think especially at corner, Carlton Davis is talented and has has star power. Jamel Dean has been good, Sean Murphy bunting, but these guys have all been so inconsistent at corner that that's where my, my biggest concern lies. But I do think that front seven, that front six, because they're in nickel, obviously, like everybody else is most of the time, I think that front six is really going to have an impact and and going to be able to get after the quarterback a bit better this time around. And and I think the overall philosophy of the team is going to help keep that, that defense a little more fresh.
1: Yeah. I'm not completely down in the Buccaneers. I don't see them missing the playoffs. I'm not going to take that line. Um, and I think if they go under, they're still a playoff team and probably double digit wins, but 12 is a 12 is a shitload of wins. You know, (laughs) like it's, they could still win the Super Bowl and not win 12 games. So that's kind of – Which they did.
2: Right. Which they did in 2020, right? They went 11-5. and They were a wild card team. I think at the end of the day, for me, it it all comes back to number 12, right? I I don't see a Tom Brady-led team in his third year in this offense. Again, all the the assistant coaches are back. Bruce retired, but everybody else is back. I don't see a Tom Brady-led team that I think, again, may have actually improved in terms of their total net gain and and loss – in terms of what they what they lost in the offseason and what they gained. So, I don't see a Tom Brady team. Especially you talk about yeah, I think San Francisco is going to be a tough game, but you really think Tom Brady's going to go to San Francisco, his childhood team that didn't want him after the last, you know, when he had free agency, he's not going to go there and win that game. I think at the end of the day when when you have that guy at quarterback I think that's worth a, a few more wins beyond what, what you might just see on paper in terms of, of X's and O's in, in the roster. And I think that's why I feel a little more comfortable with the over there.
1: Sure thing. And, yeah, I don't have any, like, fade old man Brady takes here. I mean, this guy was first <laughs> or second in QBR, DVOA, EPA, uh, plus completion percentage over expectation and PFF. I mean, he's, it's not he's,
2: fair. It's not fair, yeah. man. I'm, I'm 36, and I look at this guy like, are you kidding me? Yeah, absolutely. He's got a he's got a decade on me, and he makes me feel old. I don't
1: get it, dude. If I play pickup basketball, I'm like lim- limping for like two days. Like I don't. know. Mm-hmm. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. This guy. So, yeah, I don't. I, I just I am pretty high on the Saints. Who we're going to talk about, um, well, pretty much now. And, and I do think the Carolina Panthers play a little bit better this year. Um, so that's the other reasons for under eleven and a half. Actually, we're not going to talk about the Saints right now. What do you have on on uh, Tampa Bay, Nate? If anything at all.
0: Yeah, so, I I mean, I just, uh, when I look at these conference previews or division previews, I try to find the value, and I didn't find much with Tampa Bay. I mean, they were plus 280 to win the NFC, even their Super Bowl odds. I think Tipico had them boosted today to plus 800, which makes you want to take them even less because who likes boosted odds?
1: Um, Yeah, they're not not trying to lose money.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, there are a lot of variables. We don't know how Julio Jones, because isn't Godwin coming back at some point in the season as well? Godwin is expected um, to be back for week
2: one at this point. He was, yeah, completely- so, I mean,
0: they're going to have prop one of the best receiving cores in the league. So it's hard to fade that, especially when you have one of the most accurate quarterbacks also, but you looking at their schedule. It's also hard to say, I mean, like Jeff went over 12 is a lot of wins. So I didn't find much value in anything they had. Cause I'm not about to fade what Tampa has.
1: All right. Let's go over to the, um, the second place team, the NFC South last year, the New Orleans Saints, who uh, lost a tiebreaker for the wild card uh, in week 18 when, when Philly ended up winning and advancing to the playoffs. Um, but I, I thought it was a pretty impressive year for the New Orleans Saints. Otherwise, they were 9-8 um, and eight straight up, 9-8 Pythag, 14th in DVOA, 14th in SRS by Pro Football uh, Reference, they were two and three and one score games, and the three losses that they took, they all had a. Um, they were at a seventy-five percent or better win probability in those three uh, one-score losses. Um, they were took crazy injury, uh, uh, sustained crazy injuries of their offensive line. Obviously, Mike, no, Michael Thomas lost Jameis Winston after a game uh, after seven weeks, so they had ten games. Um, with Trevor Simeon, Ian Book, and and Taysom Hill as a starter. I'm high on this team, and I'm much higher on this team than I think the market. Um, The market is obviously nervous about uh, Sean Payton retiring, but probably waiting for the Dallas Cowboy job to open up. Um, Obviously, Drew Brees is no longer there, um, and And the other thing that I think sharp betters are going to talk about, you'll hear if you're consuming gambling content, um, I I think you'll hear sharp betters talk about this idea where defense year over year isn't predictive and isn't as predictive as as offenses. However, I'd push back on that in this very specific situation because um, New Orleans defense has been fifth in EPA per play and fourth in success rate since 2018. This defense is fucking stacked. This defensive line is nuts. I actually think the secondary is sick. They probably have the best linebacker core in the NFL. It it doesn't dip below top five, I would say. Um, So it's just a matter of A, Winston um, is actually uh, better off in New Orleans. He looked really good through seven games at a career-high TD percentage, career-low interception percentage. Uh, Kamara needs to bounce back after a, a pretty awful 2021 um, but they picked up Landry. They obviously get Michael. Th- or they should get Michael Thomas back. They drafted Chris Olave in the first round. I'm really high on this team, and they also like Taysom Hill is is a good football player. Now he's like a fifth offensive role player, which is pretty sick for him. And I do think like he can make some plays and has made some plays in the New Orleans Saints in the past. Um, also, like when we're looking at, I, I mentioned this earlier, but they're four and one. Versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers since um, Brady came to town, the one loss being in the playoffs where they actually had that game kind of in tow for a couple quarters, and they've only they've allowed eighteen or fewer points in three meetings versus Tampa Bay since um, uh, over uh, the last two years. So, so I'm high in the New Orleans Saints here. Um, I they're actually going to be I see I see some value in them to win the NFC at plus fifteen hundred. Um they're going to be my pick to win the NFC South at at plus 375 I believe. And I know this sounds goofy and corny, but I I think plus 130 to make the playoffs is a lock for the New Orleans Saints. So that's where I'm going to be taking my best bet here, the Saints to make the playoffs at plus 130. Uh go to you first Nate here. Uh what are your thoughts on the New Orleans Saints?
0: Yeah, so I don't even know if you knew this, but uh back in the day a few years ago, um I was the editor for a Saints site called Who Dat Dish. It was for fans cited. Um, it, it was fun for a little bit. So they still had a lot of these players back on the team, and Dennis Allen was their defense coordinator then. And I think he's going to be the biggest wild card. I think you know what Sean Payton did. And then you have De- Dennis Allen, who, if you remember, 2012 to 2014, he was the Raiders Head coach was fired from there. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what he brings. As far as their personnel, I think it's honestly a little understated what they bring back. Chris Olave will be there. He's going to be a premier deep threat like he was at Ohio State. Michael Thomas wants to be back. I even just saw a tweet about the Saints saying, like, Thomas is excited to be back. So the two things that I like that I found value in was Michael Thomas plus 1,000 to be comeback player of the year. And to be honest, I saw a couple – like options in there that like barely felt like, I honestly almost want to look them up that barely felt like comeback player of the year. Like Derek Henry was like the number one. And like, I know he missed some games, but I'm not really sure. Like it was like, it wasn't like a job or towards ACL or anything, but either way, I think Thomas is set to have a lot of success. And I think it's honestly partially due because Winston, so Winston, as uh, I'm sure Luke knows, had that record breaking year where he led the league in, what was it, interceptions and passing yards in 2019? Yeah, 2019. So he had 2,000-yard receivers, one a deep threat, Mike Evans, obviously, and then the other one, which had more yards, Chris Godwin, had 1,300 yards. So I'm thinking Thomas should be able to play a similar, similar role. I know the offenses are drastically different than what he has this year, but he was the offensive player of the year in 2019, and he should come into the season healthy. I expect the workload to be there and the volume as well. And he's under contract for three more seasons. So it's not like if he just keeps doing nothing, it's just going to make life harder. I feel like, and I think the opportunities there, I think um, plus 1000 is pretty good odds for there. And then my second one that I kind of thought was a little juicy was I like these stage of elimination games And it's kind of I'm backing the Saints to make the playoffs and then to win a game as well. So I think the NFC, like the top tier talent, as Luke was kind of going on earlier, might regress a little bit. So you have Dallas. They should still win their division. Green Bay, they should still win their division. But they might be that three, that four. They still lose both their top uh, receivers. Um, And the Saints were five and two with Jameis last season. They should reach their playoffs. It doesn't really... Like, they're they're to reach the playoffs, as Jeff was saying, doesn't really attract me. I think to to end their season, it's a stage of elimination at plus 550 to stage of elimination. The division round is something that I like. I think they'll be able to make the playoffs and then uh, get through a game. They had the 18th ranked red zone offense last season. Thomas and Alave, I'm expecting that to be a little bit better. And they had the number one red zone defense. And... And that was even without Trey Hendrickson, who I thought was a would have been a relatively bigger loss to them. They still have Cam Jordan, so I think everything's looking up in New Orleans. And I'll take him to losing the divisional round at plus five fifty, and Michael Thomas to be the comeback player of the year. I think those are pretty safe bets to back them.
1: Uh, real quick, before I get your feedback on this stuff, Luke, uh, I read this blurb in the Football Outsiders Almanac preview of the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, actually, and I'm mostly paraphrasing here, but it said. They mentioned how, um, when discussing Todd Bowles taking over for Bruce Arians, they said they they brought up the examples of George Seifert, John Gruden, and Bill Callahan all reaching the Super Bowl the year after, gifted with a good team. I'm not I'm not sure about Dennis Allen as a long term coach, but how is that? How is this situation not very similar to Tampa Bay's? I Obviously, not having Tom Brady is huge, but like um, John Gruden took the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the Super Bowl with 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 Brad uh, was it Brad Johnson back in the day. So I mean, you don't need uh, necessarily a good quarterback or a proven quarterback to make a, a a year over year jump when losing the coach. But I don't know. What are your thoughts about what I just said, Luke, or or not even addressing that if you don't want to, just the New Orleans Saints in general.
2: No, that's that's something I was actually going to bring up, and I do see a lot of similarities there. I think one of the biggest differences could be when you lose Sean Payton, the play caller, as opposed to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are not losing their play caller. Byron Lefters has been calling plays there for two years now, uh, and that that continuity stays there. So how will that impact the game day performance of a guy like Winston? Because, again, like you said, the, the defense is back. Defense added. I know they lost Marcus Williams, but they replaced him with Tyron Matthew, who. Uh, it might be the best safety in all the leagues still, even at his age. So, you know, I, that defense is going to scare me forever uh, because of the way they play the Bucs and the way they run that double robber system where you're just isolating the two best targets with your safeties and watching Brady's eyes and, and forcing him to get the ball out despite a lot of cover zero, a lot of a lot of tight coverage, and a really good pass rush. And obviously that has not gone well for the Bucs and Tom Brady for the most part. Obviously they won the the only one that really counted. Uh, In the playoffs, on the way to the Super Bowl, but man, they have been a tough out, and I think they'll continue to be a tough out because Dennis Allen will have that defense performing the way it always does, and he's really just going to ask his offense to not screw it up for him. And I think what's going to come down to again, you want consistency from your quarterback. So if 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 Jameis Winston can give them 17 games of what he gave them last year, I think that's going to be perfect. The big questions for me are, you lost Teron Armstead, so you lost one of the best left tackles in the NFL. You can't can you can't count on Michael Thomas to be healthy. It's a little bit different. You say Julio Jones, you could say the same thing, right? But Julio Jones is going to be the three, maybe the four, in this wide receiver pecking order behind his old teammate Russell Gage, who the Bucs just paid $10 million over ten million a year for three years in free agency, and then Evans and Godwin and a couple of pro bowlers there. He's not going to have to be that guy. Michael Thomas, they need him to come back and be what he was two or three years ago, and I don't know if he's going to be able to do that and stay healthy with that kind of workload. And again, so so when you want when everything is predicated on and, and you could throw Alvin Kamara in there was last year an aberration or is last year, the beginning of his regression after a career of so many touches over and over and over again, is this kind of where he starts to slide back down the other side of that terrible running back hill? But when you when it all comes back to whether or not the quarterback can be successful and you have those questions at left tackle, you have those questions in terms of the play calling, you have those questions in terms of your top wide receiver, that's the only place I would find concern really with New Orleans.
1: All fair points. Um, yeah, my last point on the New Orleans Saints and, and specifically addressing their, to win the NFC odds, which are, again, hold on, let me pull them up, um, plus 1,500. Uh, at least on typical, but in some sports books, they have the eighth best odds to win the NFC. Just simply put. I, I think they're a better team than Philadelphia Eagles, Arizona Cardinals, and San Francisco 49ers, who are all ahead of them. Um obviously San Francisco are uh, are are have a much worse price than them, so that's more of a um I don't know, more of a hot take than the first two. I I think they're pretty comfortably better than the Philadelphia Eagles. I am down on them and Arizona just um You know, who knows with Cliff Kingsbury and and Kyler Murray. I don't know. Kyler Murray might be too busy playing video games. Who knows? Um, But I do like the Saints um, to – I think they're going to end up winning the division, but i love them to make the playoffs here. Any final thoughts about this uh, team, Uh, Nate, or can we move along to an exciting and sexy Atlanta Falcons? No, let's keep it rolling. All right, sweet. So Atlanta Falcons last year – not really sure how, and I read about them on three different preview sites, but they were 7-10 and last year. <laughs> 5-12 and Pythag, 30th in DVOA. They were the worst seven-win team, according to Football Outsiders, ever. Um, they were 6-10-1 against the spread. They had no business winning a couple of those games. They were 7-2 and in one-score games. So all their wins came off of came in one-score games. They actually had the third-best injury luck, according to Football Outsiders. They were minus-six in turnover differential. I don't really see that improving year after year because uh, they sent Matt Ryan, their uh, former MVP quarterback, to the Indianapolis Colts. They picked up Marcus Mariota, drafted Desmond Ritter out of uh, Nate Cincinnati. So there's a, a not-very-interesting quarterback battle happening in Atlanta. They did pick up Casey Hayward, which would adding him to with a- AJ Terrell would perhaps make the uh, the best cornerback tandem in the NFL. But I'm not high on Atlanta for the obvious reasons. I'm pretty neutral on uh, on Arthur Smith. But if they're going into this season with Marcus Mariota as a starter or even Desmond Ritter, I don't see them getting over four and a half wins. Um, I'm not going to bet the under though. I think this price. All their prices, frankly, are correct. Um, real quick, Atlanta's betting profile: four and a half wins over Juice to minus one hundred and twenty, plus six hundred and fifty to make the playoffs, minus twelve hundred for the no. Not laying twelve hundred dollars to win one hundred, plus three thousand to win the NFC South. Juicy, but no thanks. Plus seven thousand to win the NFC, plus twenty thousand to win the Super Bowl. Um, they do have like competent players, and they do have talent, obviously. Kyle Pitts could be one of the best tight ends in the league. Um, Cordero Patterson's one of the best running backs in the league. But behind that offensive line, I don't see Mariota being able to get Patterson the ball. I mean, anyone can get Kyle Pitts the ball, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty cold in the Atlanta Falcons. I have really no bets to be made with them. Um, I can listen to Desmond Ritter as rookie of the year because, um, he was the most pro ready quarterback entering the NFL draft or one of the most pro ready and uh, quarterbacks entering the NFL draft. And I just think so little of Marcus Mari- Mariota as a professional football player, but <coughs> excuse me, we'll start with you, Luke. How do you, um, how do you see this, the Atlanta Falcons team heading into 2022?
2: Uh, I'm not going to lie, man. I think they might be the worst team in the NFL. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think if the Houston Texans did not exist, um, the the Atlanta Falcons might have the least amount of talent and again I say that as we talked about in the pod before the pod uh earlier as a 36 year old failed NAIA quarterback um who who it always it always seems funny to me to talk about how bad NFL players are when when I say this the worst player wait, wait, in the hold NFL, on let me push
1: back on that you didn't have the coaching to to help you um succeed as uh, a quarterback
2: oh <laughs> that's that's what it was that's what it was don't let don't let my coaches hear that I I don't, I don't think I'm going to put it on them I'm a, there's a lot of lot of lot of variables there, but uh, there's a bland but, yeah, offensive a,
1: scheme. Luke, don't don't be so hard on yourself. Uh, this is supporting cast and
2: all that. We'll we'll use all <laughs> the buzzwords. Uh, thanks, I appreciate that. But no, it's it's funny to me because obviously the worst player in the NFL is better than 99.9 percent of everybody else in the world. But you know, when I look at this Falcons team, like you said, there's some stuff to get excited about for the future. I like Desmond Ritter. I think he can develop into a franchise quarterback. Obviously, Kyle Pitts is a, a frigging unicorn. Um, and I like Drake London a good bit. I think they've got some pieces there to build on, but like you said, the offensive line back to quarter L Patterson's 31 and he's not going to be able to continue to, 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 have the kind of workload. I love the way they used him last year. I think it's going to be, it's fun to watch. I just don't know how long that can last. And man, that defense, again, some, some certain pieces. I think AJ Terrell is one of the best corners in the league. Boy, was I wrong about that draft pick. I think me and everybody else is like, Oh my gosh, why'd you put into first round pick on this guy? He's made me look like a complete idiot. But outside of those few guys, I I think, again, next year, the year after we're talking about, now they've got a chance to rebuild. Um, But this year I think it's going to be a really rough year for Falcons fans, and not just because they're going to have to watch Matt Ryan throw passes for the Colts and have to watch Julio Jones catch passes for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after he dominated them for a decade in a Falcons uniform. So it's going to be an emotional – it's going to be a rough rough ride for the Falcons fans for a lot of reasons. But, uh, yeah, I think – I I don't see a lot to get excited about here except highlight tapes of Kyle Pitts just mossing people – uh, and maybe A.J. Terrell locking some people down.
1: <laughs> the highlights of – highlight tapes of other quarterbacks avoiding A.J. Terrell.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be really boring where they just like, no, nah, I'm not throwing over there.
1: I would actually try to sprinkle on A.J. Terrell to win defensive player of the year, but I think he just might – like, they might just avoid him. Like, why even throw in his direction? I don't know. Nope, not doing it. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts uh, on the uh, 2022 Atlanta Falcons, Nate?
0: Yeah, I guess so just uh... – piggyback off what you guys said in games where Matt Ryan had a 95 quarterback rating they were six and one and in games where he was under that they were one and nine so I think when you take Matt Ryan out of that equation um it's just gonna be it's just gonna be ugly I I don't think they're the worst team in the league I think that's that right definitely belongs to Houston um but like you said, I'm not sure Mario is going to be the player that can get them the ball. I like Ritter too, but um, he—I—I I think the competition he had at Cincinnati and how he performed on the the biggest stages are kind of still make it questionable. Um, I mean, I, I guess we'll see. I think they're a team that if they can—if they can get a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud, you could really do some damage in three to four years. Just right now, it's a little too—it's a little too young for him.
1: Yeah, they're, the big thing that's going to kind of make or break their season, just by just what I mean by that, is like being respectable or being a top two pick. Like the difference between that is effectively the offensive line, who, which is absolute trash. But they have a bunch, and they did really no additions or improvements to the offensive line, not uh, from a coaching perspective, I don't believe, and, and not from a personnel perspective. But they all are young draft picks. Who could still develop into something? That's that's like the glass half full way of looking at Atlanta's offensive line. I I think if I were to bet on the production of the offensive line solely, I would still bet on it being bad. Um, but if they're good and they give Mariota time, there's a world where they get to six or seven wins in Atlanta. I I don't see it. You know, that's kind of my final thoughts about Atlanta. But um, just. I, I I more or less agree with with Luke. I I think I think they're in the um, Brace Young, CJ CJ Stroud sweepstakes. Honestly, so yep. those are my thoughts. Um, do you guys have any other anything else to say on the Falcons here, or do you want to get over to the final team in the NFC South?
0: No, let's get on with it. He right. throws it up. Let's take Carolina.
1: All right, cool. So Carolina uh, finished last year five and twelve after a three and zero start. They were six and eleven in Pythag twenty seventh in DVOA. Um, despite starting three and zero, we're obviously uh, fell off a cliff and really had no chance of uh, being in the playoffs despite the the awesome record. I mean, they started off with wins against the lowly Jets, uh, Texans, and they and they did beat the Falcons miraculously. Uh, but they were 2-6 and six in one-score games, uh, according to Warren Sharp. And this is part of the reason why I think Carolina is going to go over their win total, um, which is looks like it's been bumped up from 5.5 to 6.5 on most books after they acquired Baker Mayfield for a conditional fourth or fifth-round pick. But uh, Carolina last year, according to Warren Sharp, had the most games lost despite holding a lead at some point, and that was 10 games they lost 10 games while still holding a lead which is insane and i just believe that gets fixed if cmc is healthy or christian mccaffrey is healthy and uh if if darnold gets replaced by baker mayfield which to me is like a foregone conclusion there are minus 13 and turnover differential 15th in adjusted games lost to injury but i mean that's just tracking the games itself like not having Christian McCaffrey for most of the season um, is a big reason why their offense struggled as much as it did, and the other big reason, obviously, is Sam Darnold. Um, another reason why I'm high on uh, the what the Carolina Panthers this year is their defense was legit nice last year, and the numbers back that up. Now they lost Hassan Reddick and Stefan Gilmore, um, obviously both um, above to elite players at their positions. But last year, Carolina was 7th in EPA per play, 3rd in yards per play, 3rd in adjusted sack rate, and 4th in defensive success rate. The offense, the offensive turnovers though led the uh, Carolina Panthers defensively to have the worst average starting field position in the NFL last year, and you know, the offense just gave defense short short fields, and if that's going to happen, the NFL defense probably is going to look bad or give up uh, uh, more points than they should. Um, also, the offense couldn't sustain uh, drives and, and and the defense is on the field all the time last year. So, I'm also high on, on uh, Carolina's just talent defensively. Brian Burns um, could be a pro Bowl player on the defensive line. Shaq Thompson... Um, is, is an elite player in the front seven. And and J.C. Horn looked awesome through three games last year. And I, and I think Jeremy Chin is a stud as well. So I think the the Panthers go over six and a half wins. Part of the reason why I think Tampa Bay could um, go under is that their division's going to be a little tougher and they could actually split one of these games at Carolina. And also, I'm probably burying the lead on this one, but but Sam Darnold, is so bad that a, that, a, that a significantly um, underperforming Baker Mayfield is also a significant upgrade. So those are my thoughts about the Carolina Panthers. I'll circle back when I hear about your guys' thoughts or hear from you guys. But I'll start with you, uh, Luke. What do you think about the Carolina Panthers coming in this season?
2: Yeah, I kind of agree with you, man. I think that there's a lot to like about this roster, and I do think that that adding Baker Mayfield and, and improving, obviously, the most important position on the field kind of illuminates the rest of it, right? The rest of it, you can be like, oh, you know, they've got this and this and this, but they don't have the quarterback, so it really is not going to matter. Now they have a guy that I think can win them some games at that position, and I do think that that changes things. So, like you said, you talk about the defense, and that's, that's really what's going to drive this, and, and honestly, it should. Go back and look at the last few drafts. They have invested heavily in that defense you brought up some of the names brian burns first round pick jeremy chin was a second round pick jc horn was their top 10 pick uh, a year ago and and from all everything i've heard is is absolutely a stud and is going to be their shutdown guy um derrick brown the top 10 pick a couple of years ago uh yeater gross on the other side from burns on the defensive end he was a second round pick a couple of years ago uh dante jackson is still uh one of the better corners i know he's a bit undersized but he's a solid corner Shaq Thompson uh, was was a high pick when he was drafted and he's a, a respected veteran in that room. They have invested a lot of resources in that defense and, and it shows. Uh, like you said, you, all those numbers you pulled last year, they were a lot better than I think they got credit for and I think they will continue to be. So if the offense can get the job done, and I think you know Baker's going to have some weapons again. McCaffrey's health is going to have a lot to do with that, but DJ Moore is one of the most underrated receivers in the league. The way he started last season put up some huge numbers, uh, and I think he'll continue to do that with a, a better quarterback. Um, but they, you know, they've got the opportunity to to be better on offense again. More. Take care of the football. Not put your defense in those situations where there's so many short fields and there's so many snaps that they're having to play. And, and I agree. I take the over on Carolina all day long, and I do think they might be a little more of a problem for a team like Tampa Bay than, than maybe we thought.
1: Yeah, I like your point about the offensive weapons. Uh, just quick note before I turn it over to you, Nate. Um, if if your quarterback is solid, then Carolina's offensive weapons are pretty good. So that's my yeah. my final thought about them Nate or not my final thought but my bridge thought to you Nate Nate what do you got on the Panthers
0: Uh, yeah I um my brother's a huge Panthers fan and uh, so I work in insurance and I actually my my territory is the Carolinas so I'm pretty excited about what the Panthers look like this season especially cuz I'm going to get to talk about it so often I think I like what they did in the offseason they brought in Corbett they brought on um Quanu Ik- in the first round he was what the 6th yeah. overall pick and then they added Baker I, I think it's a little bit um, disheartening what they did to bring in Sam Darnold just for him not to be used. What was it? Second, fourth, and sixth, I <laughs> yeah, That hurts real bad. That's bad. one of the craziest trades I've ever heard of. Bad
1: look for that first year GM.
0: Bad well, that was even that was even immediately when he did that. I was like, man. <laughs> <That> was <laughs> immediately like, when that I heard that like trade, first, I was like, no first round like, That's going to go down as one of the worst trades in their history. Yep. And oh. then so – but then you look at their roster aside from that, and you did mention a lot of high picks. I mean, even CJ Henderson was what, a top 10 pick in 2019? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so I like a lot of what they have going. And I think them to make the playoffs is pretty juicy. It's what, 425? Um, So that will be one of my better bets. My brother already, we hammered the win total for the Panthers when it was five and a half, so pre-Baker. So uh. I even I even like it more now. So I, I think there's a lot of good that this team has. They're they're at least solid almost all over the field. And like you said, I think DJ Moore's one of the most underrated receivers in the league. And the team was four and three with wins over Arizona and New Orleans when Christian McCaffrey did play last season. So uh a little improvement and a little better offensive line and they could definitely get to nine and eight or ten and seven.
1: Yeah, their wide receiver, second year wide receiver, Terrace Marshall. Um, was like a lot of football nerds picks to be possible rookie of the year. They were really high out of him coming out of LSU. He sucked his rookie year, but sometimes rookie wide receivers have a tough time acclimating to the NFL game, and it's definitely not easy if Sam Darnold's throwing you the football. Um, so
2: one of, my, one of my favorite notes on Iquanu, too, is that this is a guy that was in the conversation to go number one until like the last couple of weeks of the draft, right? When Trayvon Walker started to move up the board, there was a lot of talk about Jacksonville taking Ikemaquanu at number one overall. So the fact that not only do they get him at six, but one of my favorite notes in doing all my draft work was the fact that Iquanu was an All-American at tackle and at guard in two different seasons. So you're talking about an offensive line that needs help across the board, and you got a guy that can play at that high level at multiple positions. I think it's a huge win for them.
0: Well, that's the research I needed right there. This guy, I mean,
1: fucking Luke is just a draft monster. So awesome stuff there, uh, Luke. Uh, The one um, juicy look that I have for the Carolina Panthers is uh, these are more sprinkles than anything. Uh, One's uh, me thinking about sprinkling. The first is a sprinkle. Christian McCaffrey to have most rushing yards is uh, plus 3,000, I think, on on maybe typical or, or, or several books. He effectively has the 12th best odds for most rushing yards. Obviously injuries wear and tear are, are viable concerns. Right. But like in terms of like skill game and like most likely usage, Christian McCaffrey, I think is going to get a lot of touches, especially it being like a make or break year for the entire coaching staff. Like, Rules going to the big twelve if they if they suck this year, right? Ben McAdoo is their offensive coordinator. I don't even know if he gets another coordinator position, if 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 this falls uh flat for for, for Carolina. So I could see Christian McCaffrey getting enough usage and he and he still has looked good when he's gotten out there. So I think plus three thousand is a juicy number, just to sprinkle on. I don't know, like third ten dollar twenty five dollar, whatever your sprinkle is, throw that out out there. Um but that's pretty much all that I got on the Carolina Panthers. Um, Luke, do you have any final thoughts on that team?
2: Uh, I am going to correct myself. I said all American. I meant all conference. He was all ACC at guard and tackle. So draw it, draw it back a little bit. But I want to correct myself.
1: You said ACC. He was a uh, was in North Carolina State.
2: Yep, NC State. So he was all ACC at tackle and at guard in two separate still, seasons. So still so impressive.
1: Yeah, still a huge upgrade for an offensive line that was pretty terrible in Carolina. Yeah,
2: I think he immediately becomes their best guard and their best tackle,
1: so... Yeah, and that's (laughs) like...
2: The sad part is you can only play him at one at a time.
1: (laughs) Right, which is... I'm more optimistic about Carolina's terrible offensive line than Atlanta's because Atlanta just effectively ran it back, whereas Carolina got, what, three or four new guys? Like, they're trying, and, like... You know, f- uh, football is tough and can be complicated, but like I think the best way to good, good get good players is to pay for them. <laughs> so yeah, uh, at least they've made some attempts in that way, and they used uh, uh, a six pick on on a guy's name who I can't say, but Luca uh, s- spoke glowingly about him. So he goes by Icky,
2: so you can just call him Icky. Oh, I got that one. Okay, Icky.
1: Yeah. Dude's uh dude was a baller in college and and, and uh, if if Luke had him um, graded out highly entering the draft, then that that does speak uh volumes to his his possible um his possibility as having a strong offensive line career in the NFL. Um I'm done with this NFC South preview. I don't know if you guys had any final thoughts or can we go to the window with our best bets? No, I got a couple best bets. I'm ready to hit it. The Bet Slipping Podcast,
0: going to the window.
1: So I have two here. Um, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints plus 130 to make the playoffs, and I'll go under Tampa Bay Buccaneers 11 and a half wins, uh, sprinkling on Christian McCaffrey plus 3,000 from most rushing yards. So I guess three, technically three. But um, Nate, what do you have here in your bet slip?
0: So I have a uh, Michael Thomas comeback player of the year plus a thousand. Think it's good if he stays healthy, and then I have uh, Panthers to make the playoffs plus four twenty five. So we're going a little juicier today.
1: Nice, dude. Heavy payouts. Love it. Uh, what do you do? You have anything on your bed slip, Luke? If not, it's all good, baby.
2: Yeah, you know I, I'm going to take the Saints to make the playoffs, and I'm going to take that over uh, on the win total for the Panthers.
1: All right, cool. So it's over five and a half, but it's heavily juice on Tipico. You Would you play it up to six and a half? Because that's what most people are, are going to be looking at.
2: Yeah, yeah, I will. Again, I think they're going to I think they'll sweep the Falcons. And I think if they play anywhere close to what we saw those first three games last year, uh, we could be looking at a 500 team easy.
1: All right, hey Luke, I really appreciate you meeting up with us today, um, and and bringing your NFC South and Tampa Bay Buccaneer, uh, knowledge to the table. You really killed it, and uh, I, I greatly appreciate you making the time to talk to us. Yep,
2: same here. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Always a good time.
1: All right, uh, for Nate, this is Jeff and the Bed Slipping Podcast. Thanks for streaming us. Best of luck to you guys. Whether you fade or follow us, we'll talk to you guys. Next week, where we are breaking down. Oh, no, I don't have my list in front of me. Real quick, real quick. Stalling, stalling, stalling. Next week, we'll be talking about the AFC West. Probably the funnest division in the NFL, so, second
0: best division in the league.
1: Whatever. No one cares about the AFC North. S- all right, peace, fellas and ladies. <laughs> this is the Bet Slippin' Podcast featuring Jeff Clark from USA Today Sportsbook Wire. i bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I mean, it's the gambling business. Occasionally you get punched in the face. You're listening to the Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here.